speaking here. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right, we got a couple of quick messages that came in on our Montana Talks app here. Light brows in Harden. Ilhan Omar wouldn't survive in Somalia. I've been there. Uh, thanks, thanks for that message, Lightbrows, and I know he has because he's got an incredible uh, military background. Evan and Belt, our Air Force veteran friend. You know, they could just use the United Nations building in New York to house these illegal anti-American thugs. Oh, wait, they already are. <laughs> That was from Evan and Belt. Nancy and Roundup, um, I, I chatted with her during the break since we ran out of time, but her, her point about Ilhan Omar is that she can be expelled from Congress, according to our Constitution. She should be expelled uh, from Congress. Anyway, let's jump right into it. The great David Noble in the house. We missed him last week. We were so busy down at this SHOT Show, so I know people are having withdrawals. They want to uh, get the great insight and takes from David Noble. David, great to see you. Uh, you. You need to call in sometimes, too. You've been saying, man, I've been wanting to weigh in. You know, call in whatever you I want was going, to. I was thinking about it. Because you don't have to that, wait till Thursday. You know? No, I've been, <laughs> I, I, was telling, I was telling Aaron that I pretty much have listened to the full show every day for the past, like, two or three weeks. I try to listen to it in the morning when it's live, and then I go to work, and I got to then the 8 o'clock and the 9 o'clock hour, I'll listen on the podcast. Yeah. And there's been, you know, four or five different sort of topics and kind of important issues that come up over the last couple of weeks, and I was like, man, I got a kind of a different take on that. I'd love to love to have made a point there, but... I know, like, I was thinking, heading into today, I was, uh, I was thinking, man, we could spend the entire hour just talking about this uh, transgender uh, kid... Uh, taken from the family uh, and put into state custody and, and being, I mean, we can spend the whole hour talking about that, but there's probably a number of topics you want to get to. Well, that one, that one I think is really in interesting and sort of my, my first re initial reaction was kind of in line with John Jackson's and saying like, hold on, like if the, if the, if the government removed the child from the home and Kristen Juris looked at it and said they followed, like that mean to me, that meant that there must have been some kind of abuse or not. However, or there's more to the story. Or there's than more what to the story. Yeah. But then the Montana Free Press did sort of an updated story on it recently. And the Montana Free Press story basically kind of made it sound like, uh, they did remove the kid because the parents weren't supporting the gender transition. So at this point in time, we, I don't feel like we know the full facts. I don't think we know the full story. My understanding is you broke that story, by the way. I never heard that story before well, you came out with no, it. And then all of a sudden, a week thanks later. For that. I think I was the first to actually cover it. I don't know if anybody else in Montana media had even said a, a peep about this story. Uh, you know, it was no, on but it was after you. Yeah, it was on, the video it. was on Facebook, the video was on Rumble, the video was on YouTube, but nobody was doing a story about it. And and so I was like, you know what, I'm going to reach out to the mom, the stepmom, and see if she wants to join us on the show. And and yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I you know, I, I think there's a lot of red flags with this story uh, of concern. There's obviously changes that need to take place with with, you know, what we're doing in some of these facilities. But but I, I I'm with you. I think if. Lieutenant Governor Kristen Juris, who is a solid pro-family, pro-life, conservative lawyer, smart lawyer, right? Um, if she says, look, guys, I've looked at the court documents and basically says there's more to the story, I think we can trust uh, trust her in that. But I still think there's some important questions that we need to talk about. Agreed. So so let's let's do that. Yeah, right after this, because uh, Megyn Kelly even uh, jumped in on this story. International, international coverage in the UK now, too. That's right. Securing America. Some chilling warnings Wednesday during a House Select Committee hearing on China's cyber threat to the American homeland and national security. FBI Director Christopher Wray was very direct in describing that danger. China's multi-pronged assault on our national and economic security make it 
the defining threat of our generation. Ray says China is already attacking our economic and security infrastructure every day while planning for future strikes. The director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, Jen Easterly, testified to what that type of attack might look like. Telecommunications going down so people can't use their cell phone. People start getting sick from polluted water. Trains get derailed. With Ray adding, the Chinese are not just focused on military and political targets. Low blows against civilians are part of China's plan. Kevin Uretsky, Fox News. Here's a look at your real weather for Billings and Bozeman. With sunny skies across the area for today, high temperatures will range from about 53 in Bozeman to around 60 in the Billings area. For tonight, increasing cloud cover, lows around 32. And then the outlook for Friday does call for considerable cloud cover. High temperatures from around 50 in Bozeman to the mid-50s across the Billings area. This is weatherology meteorologist Paul Trombley. This is where Montana talks. Montana talks with Aaron Flint. All right, so I was chatting with uh, David Noble. You know David Noble, the Manhattan, Montana native. He's also uh, uh, an attorney here in Montana. So always great to get not only his political insight uh, as a solid conservative, but also kind of his legal insight with with all this stuff as well. So David, yeah, I haven't gotten a chance to share this news on our Montana Talks website yet, but I have in my hands a five-page document from the Montana Department of Public Health and Human Services. This is signed by... Uh, uh, Nikki Grossberg, who is the uh, Child and Family Services Division Administrator, and Charles Brereton, who is the Director of DPHHS. Here's the big takeaway. This one line, I want to get your reaction to this. Because uh, the question, Megan Kelly and Chris Rufo and Libs of TikTok and, and a lot of us are asking is, was this child removed from her parents in Glasgow, Montana, because the parents refused to go along with her identifying as a boy? Uh, and and everything I've heard is that is not the reason for the removal. The reason for the removal was because there was a dispute over the girl having suicidal thoughts and, and expressing suicidal ideation. The hospital, uh, the local authorities felt the child needed to be uh, committed to a psychiatric facility. The family didn't think so, but they eventually, you know, said, "Okay, we'll take her to the hospital. That's that's what 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 I think this basically boils down to. But here's the line that 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 I think stands out from this DPHHS document. While it has been standard practice. Recent events require us to clarify that standing alone, the allegation that a parent opposes and will not allow their child who has gender dysphoria to transition genders does not constitute such abuse or neglect. So basically, the state is saying we've never and we never would have removed a child from their parents because the parents don't go don't go along with the gender dysphoria uh, sentiments. But on top, but they did say that because of this this recent event, because of this story, they want to firmly put it in into their into their documents here that that is not a basis for removal. Well, I would I would certainly hope not. I mean, yeah. that is so outrageous and outlandish. In my personal opinion, 
Uh, there needs to be severe, severe abuse or neglect where the child is in imminent danger of serious harm before the, and frankly, if, so when you bring up this whole idea about the suicide and how the parents are, are trying to decide uh, about how to deal with their daughter expressing potential suicidal ideations or, or whatever, okay, the parent has the right to decide on medical treatment for the child and an and, and adult gets the right to decide about whether they want to receive medical treatment or not. And so that's a fundamental right. And so if that's what it is, I don't necessarily, I don't support removing a child from the parents simply because the parents choose not to send their kids to a psychiatric hospital or a, psychi or a psychologist because here's the deal. A lot of these psychologists and psychi psychiatrists are going to say, put the kid on this medication, put the kid on that medication, or, or do these that's, other things. And that's the problem. You can't trust a lot of these so-called psychologists these days because they are pushed, right. they, are, they are transgender evangelists. They are right. pushing this agenda. How so, many woke updates have I done talking about the, the medical industry? There's some, some great ones out there but to right. first off they're all overwhelmed mental health is is in such a mess right now and yes because of mark zuckerberg and the rest of these guys that were on capitol hill yesterday but but it, it, it's it's a mess right now especially after covid19 especially because of social media especially because of the, this transgender agenda. especially because of declining rates of church attendance declining rates of belief in god declining rates of family house broken families you name it yeah so so and, and we also remember that, oh, by the way, why did this uh, young lady get sent to a facility in Wyoming? Because there was no psychiatric bed space available in Montana for intense immediate care. Huh. Former Democrat Governor Steve Bullock absolutely gutted mental health care when he was governor. And now Governor Greg Gianforte has had to make new investments into mental health with the big surplus we've had thanks to the, the strong economy under red state leadership. So he's making new investments back into mental health. But but yeah, it's. The, the, when I talked with the mom, the stepmom, who is who is the the primary care provider here, she told me that this is what it boiled down to that 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 the daughter has constantly made up things and and made these claims, and so they didn't felt like it was it was the the urgent matter that that the authorities and and the hospital thought that it was based off of the phone calls they received uh, from from this girl's new online friend or whatever, right? And so they didn't feel it was needed. So so the family decided, no, we don't want to turn them over to this type of care, and. And so, yeah, it's, that it's a tough call. That, that's not abuse. That is not abuse. That's not abusing the kid. And that's not neglecting the child either. It sounds now, like they've got a troubled kid going through some really tough times that they've been working their butts off to try to deal with. But I don't know the full story. That's and the problem. So, None of, I don't think any of us do. I, I, guess, I guess these CPS, like child removal cases, are sort of confidential. Or the, the, I personally don't think they necessarily should be. You do want to protect the privacy of the child. You can keep it anonymous but still release. But it's like, hold on. Hold on. This, is, this is our court system that we're paying for. It. The, the, the general rule in the court systems is that it's open to the public. This is our government. We're paying for this. This is our court system. Like we have the right to know what's going on in our court system. We also have the right to know what our our DP, DPHHS and CPS are doing and why. Uh, yeah. So and because yeah, because if we if we can't, I mean, I'm, I appreciate that Lieutenant Governor uh, Kristen Juris, who we all deeply respect, looked into the details of this case and says, hey, they they, they follow law, they followed policy, and gender identity was not the reason for removal here. Okay, so I uh, that sounds to me like there's more to the story. But again, like. Okay, if every other parent out there doesn't know the reason why this family had their daughter taken away from them, then how do they know what the left-right limits are to where they don't get their kids taken away from them by the state because of a difference in opinion on how to, how to handle a very sensitive situation?
Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's right. I mean, the general the general rule for, for this type of stuff, I think everybody agrees with. Like, if the parents are physically abusing the kids and beating up the kids, yeah, take the kids out of that dangerous situation. The problem is is that a lot of times it, that power is, is kind of overused and misused, and, and there's a whole bunch of people out there that really think CPS is way too aggressive, and, and, and I think you've got some state legislatures that want to reform it, too. Yeah, that's right. And, and why would you turn your kids over to the state at this point now if you know they're going to go to some socially gender transition facility? This is where Montana talks at with Lane Nordland. As the cattle industry convention continues here in Florida this week, rancher leaders are being elected to serve on the board of directors of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. One of those individuals newly elected is Mr. Jim Steinbeiser of Sydney, Montana, who was elected to serve as the Region 5 Vice President of NCBA. When asked why he wanted to continue to serve the industry, this is what he had to say. No, actually, it comes from my dad. He had that passion. I still do. We just grew up that way, just with the desire to serve the industry that we love. So it's in my blood, you might say. I've worked with all these issues, or many of these issues, through the last several years. And with that experience and background, why not just keep going? Steinbeiser is the immediate past president of the Montana Stock Growers Association, and he said he looks forward to listening to all the concerns of cattle producers and helping them find solutions to their challenges. In our caucus that we just came out of, uh, some of the ideas that are coming from these various affiliates in our region, it's just incredible. I mean, there is people problem-solving and working out our problems, which is there's not a lot of us trying to be dictated to by the majority of how to operate. And and so we need to get together, be united, listen to each other, and solve these problems. Again, that was Sydney Montana's Jim Steinmeiser. From Orlando, I'm Lane North Blonde. Talking about the issues that matter to Montana statewide, this is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right, a couple of uh, messages here uh, that have come in over the past few minutes. Uh, First, Shane in East Helena. Hey, did you see the video of a mob of illegal aliens jumping Two New York uh, police officers, outright sickening. Yeah, um, I mentioned that in the 6 o'clock hour of the show yesterday. And then I said, you know, and what's crazy about this is the illegal aliens that were beating up the cops in New York City. um, They're already out on bail. They're already out on bail. They're already out on the streets. And, David, uh, since since you're a lawyer, I I did do a correction on that story this morning to point out that um, they weren't out on bail. They didn't even get charged bail. They didn't even have to post bail money. They just put them back out on the streets. Isn't that just disgusting? It's, it's, it's absurd, and it was it was funny because John Jackson had tweet had tweeted out uh, a, a quote from I think it, was, it must have been somebody out of New York who was saying that we can't arrest our way out of this. And John Jackson was like, actually, <laughs> arresting people and keeping them in jail is the only way we get out of it. But, but my point was is well, actually, the New York the New York official that said we can't arrest our way out of it that's true if you arrest them and then you immediately release them well exactly yeah that's not going to do anything yeah yeah technically he he made himself he allowed himself to be right by just arresting them and then putting them back out on the streets yeah uh lesson three forks uh he he agrees with your assessment here 
uh, he, he basically, you know, when it comes to this whole uh, child removal case out of, out of Glasgow, he says, you know, let's let's leave the gender identity discussion completely out of the story here and then compare this to any other case to see if this really was handled the right way and it was right to remove the child. He says, I've heard nothing to lead me to believe this was legal. Now, it's tough because none of us have seen the actual court documents, etc. So we don't know what more there might be to the story. Uh, so that that's the hard part for those of us. But but um, the, oh, the point that I was making after you, you know, had your great remarks before the last break about this whole case is, is okay, we had Senate Bill 99 signed into law by the governor, passed by the legislature that would prevent, you know, medical surgeries, removal of body parts on kids, that no taxpayer dollars could be used. So a kid gets removed from a home, gets placed into a facility in Wyoming. They socially transition this girl as a boy, putting chest binders over her chest, uh, calling her, uh, treating her as a boy, all these other things. And, and you and I were talking, that in itself will cause harm to this young lady. So they shouldn't be doing that. But here's the other thing. SB 99, let's say this facility in Wyoming, let, hypothetically speaking, let's say they recommended removal of breasts, removal of body parts as part of their transitioning uh, that they were obviously doing in a social standpoint. What in Montana law would have stopped them from doing it? Because SB 99 got put to a halt by a liberal judge here in Montana. So not only do we need better, uh, do we need reforms to our, uh, you know, our courts uh, so that SB 99 gets put back on the books, but also we need more uh, laws on the books to make sure that they can't be doing this socially transitioning stuff either. Oh, I know. I think I think I, I had said. Well, I think I think the question we ought to be discussing is whether it it, it should be considered abuse to go along with uh, a minor who is trying to socially transition or, or, or go along with a different gender or and should it be considered abuse for a psychiatric facility to go that that I think ought to be the issue you you would talking to a legislator recently who was talking about during all those years we had democrat governors how the legislature did all this work and then boom the bill straight into the trash by a governor bullock veto and i was thinking to myself at the time going along with the chain we're not it's not that different now it's just now all this work by the legislature all this work by the governor and then boom straight into the trash by the courts by a, by a judge yeah and, and the majority of the district courts in montana are Democrat appointees, and then we've got the liberal mob in the Montana Supreme Court. Again, people, that is why these judicial races, these Supreme Court races, yeah, wear your MAGA hats. Well, put your Trump flag out on your fence post. Great. But these judicial races from a Montana standpoint are incredibly important. And how often do they and city council meetings and and school board meetings get ignored, get straight up ignored. Got another great message from Tim in Savage talking about the uh, the charter school for refugee kids in Billings, Montana, based off of a six o'clock hour conversation. I'll share that in a second. But first, let's go to Emma in Bozeman on the phone lines. Hey, thanks for the phone call. Hello, my name is Anna Shimilinian. Oh, that's right. Uh, Anna. So yes. Yes. Anna. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, what I want to tell about this story about girls, that even it's impossible to remove uh, gender dysphoria from uh, from this story because gender dysphoria is the only condition, only condition in history of uh, medicine when, uh, uh, first of all, uh, uh, patients, uh, patients decide, diagnose, 
and second of all, where suicidality actually uh, is the only is the proof that medical treatment has to be done. In every other case, it's not happening. Mm. So, so basically, they're they're pushing uh, they're pushing treatment options to profit off of it uh, in many parts in the industry. Great, great points. All right, back in sixty seconds. Fox News. I'm Chris Foster. A new poll finds President Biden ahead of Donald Trump, Nikki Haley ahead of President Biden, and Donald Trump ahead of her. Quinnipiac has Biden up on Trump six points, 50 to 44. This poll does have Haley doing better against Biden than Trump. She has got him, according to Quinnipiac, by five, 47 to 42 nationally. But this is a matchup that's unlikely to happen based on current polling that puts Trump way ahead of her in primary states that she needs at the moment. Fox's Peter Ducey. The European Union agrees to more for Ukraine for the war against Russia. Hungary had threatened to veto Europe's plan. Its Prime Minister Viktor Orban is close to Russian President Vladimir Putin. But after just an hour of talks, they emerged with what they call steadfast, long-term, predictable funding for Ukraine. Fox's Jonathan Savage. Stocks got the day mostly higher on Wall Street. America's listening to Fox News. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I recognize the voice there. The great uh, honest. Uh, I'm not going to pronounce her, her. Try to pronounce her name because I don't want to screw it up. Uh, but uh, her. I don't know if you've ever met. Did you meet Anna when you went to the uh, the the Flag Day uh, Trump rally in in Bozeman? What was that? The Republican uh, women. Yeah. Uh, they're uh, in Trump's birthday. Yeah. The Trump B Day party back when uh, was that a year or two ago? Yeah. And you were the MC for that. I don't know if you met Anna, but her and her husband they fled uh, a communist country, and so they're just such great freedom uh, fighters. But basically, I mean, she's. She's talking about how there's elements of the medical industry that is just absolutely nuts. And oftentimes for profit, they'll push this stuff. So that's the other thing here. The, the other thing that the mom told me that, uh, in this – the, the Colstead family, the, the other thing they told me that I think is, is, is interesting is that, okay, so, so the hospital recommended that they put her in this intensive care program, psychiatric unit, right? But then the mom tells me, okay, so we agreed, you know, even though we, we've heard this story, you know, our daughter's made up a lot of things and, and uh, you know, they've been dealing with this for a long time. It wasn't like the first time this ever happened, right? But they said, okay, we'll, we'll bring her to the hospital. We'll let you guys care for her. Well, the mom told me that they had, that there was a nurse or some hospital staff member there that was basically pushing this transgender stuff and pushing the, I'm going to call her a boy and I'm going to do this and we're going to, and so if you're the parent thinking, wait a minute, whose hands am I putting our daughter into right now? You might be like, no way, I'm not giving her to you. I'm going to go f- find some other treatment. I'm going to go find somebody else that can provide mental care, but not you guys. I could see where, where, where you would say, no, I'm, I'm not doing it. Uh, right, uh, especially, especially when you have so many examples uh, in, in the schools in Florida that led to the, some of the bills they had, where these leftists, these leftist Democrats, they actually think that it's their duty to help little kids change their gender and to try to hide it from the parents. And what I really liked about Anna's call there, uh, w- w- the point that I think that was really good is that the, this this transgender or gender dysphoria, it's the only medical condition where the medical provider is, is supposed to just affirm, 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 affirm. Doesn't matter what the situation is. Doesn't matter what the patient believes or says. Just go along with it. Go along with it. Push it, push it, push it. Kids that's, get to decide. That's the only medicine or that's the only 
sort of issue where that, that happened. And so it's like, that's a good point. And it's, it's well, medicine to do yeah, that. Abortion is the one other one. So right. it's not the, yeah, yeah. Right. You, know, you know, take this pill, even though it might cause massive hemorrhaging of blood and, and might lead to massive uh, medical complications, just take this pill that Planned Parenthood or one of these other nut jobs sends you through the mail and don't worry about it. And uh, yeah, if you have any problems, call 911. Good night. Uh, it's, it's insane, and they're and they're doing that to minors. Hey, uh, I'm excited. We got Frank in the Flathead Valley uh, on the phone lines. I think it's the same Frank who who like well, well, well like you and me, big fans of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Uh, but uh, anyway, Frank wants to talk about the the uninvited. Uh, the Montana GOP disinvites a Trump ally from speaking at an upcoming uh, winter kickoff event. Frank, want to hear what you have to say, so stand by. We'll, uh, we'll get to you first up after the break and then get the take from uh, our friend David Noble here as well. Plus, I asked David, I said, hey, now that DeSantis is out, are you back in Nikki? Are you back in Donald? Uh, you the average time a resume spends on an HR manager's desk is seven seconds. And most of them are tossed aside. Now imagine if one of those resumes belonged to Yasmin, who was living in a shelter, juggling three jobs. I have to be resilient. That's something that you can't teach. Or if that resume was from someone who worked 12 hour shifts at the recycling company with my dad, who's 72. That taught me a work ethic that I carry with me every day. We rely so much on a resume, yet it could never tell the full story of someone growing up where I did. A lot of things could have gotten in the way of my goals, but I learned to push through, and that's what I bring to work every day. So maybe it's time we look beyond the resume and look to grads of life. Discover new ways to develop great talent that are so much more than what's on paper at gradsoflife.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Grads of Life and the Ad Council. Let's jump right into the phone lines here once again. We got the great David Noble in the house here in the seven o'clock hour of this show. So, uh, yeah, Donald Trump Jr. is now weighed in, calling out the Montana GOP for engaging in, quote, left wing cancel culture. Kimberly Guilfoyle also called on the Montana GOP to reverse course and allow uh, Alex Brusowitz, a guy that we ended up chatting with in the eight o'clock hour of the show yesterday, to still speak at the winter kickoff event. And, uh, yeah, I talked to him yesterday and he says, look, I was just going to talk in support of President Trump and the important uh, the importance of electing uh, Donald Trump once again in 2024. I wasn't going to weigh in on the Senate race, but uh, but, I, you know, I understand the sensitivities there. Uh, anyway, Frank in the flathead. Thanks for the call. What's your thoughts? Hey, I, I just think uh, it, this brings up a larger point is one of the things that uh, Busewitz I might be pronouncing it wrong, but Lucewitz said was, "What what was he upset with? Well, he that he that Rosendale wasn't loyal to Trump world as he described it. The heck with that. Rosendale has a pretty good voting record, and he's upset with him because he's not loyal to Trump world. He said, "Oh, Trump came to help Rosendale get elected. That's Trump's job is to get solid Republicans in, and we're in big trouble if the Trump world is going to go after people like Chip Roy." Thomas Massey and Rosendale because they're not loyal to Trump. Give me a break. Come on. Well, you, That's the you, problem with Trump world. There's this unprincipled 
loyal to Trumpism is the criteria. And I'm ready to support. I'm going to vote for Trump again. There's no yeah. other option. Because you were a DeSantis guy. Yeah, we need to hold firm. We have a solid guy in Rosendale. I mean, maybe Rosendale should re- hold his fire and run to replace Danes. But right now, I mean, Rosendale should stay in the House. But he's not loyal to Trump. To heck with that. Get out of our state. I support them for saying that. Well, and I know, uh, and I know you were a, a, a big DeSantis backer in the presidential race, and I'm a big fan of Ron DeSantis too. I mean, I although I I I've said it, you know, since day one, Donald Trump uh, is is the candidate to unite around here in 2024, and that would be the nominee. But heck, David, you and I, uh, you know, a year ago or probably or so, were saying, man, what if you had Trump and DeSantis on a ticket? Um, and I know you agree agreed with with Frank and the Flathead about supporting Ron DeSantis. Um, but when it comes to, I, I agree with everything that Frank just said. I know, yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent agree. That was a fantastic call, and, and that, I had the same thought. Okay, you know what? You know what loyalties I care about? I care about loyalty to the Constitution. I care about loyalty to small government principles and conservative values. That's the loyalty that I care about. And it's like with with Donald Trump is in a primary. You know, this is politics. Like, there can be primaries. You can support somebody different, and then and then so, so that's how it, it works. You get into a fight in the primary, and then you coalesce and you agree. And demanding personal loyalty when Matt Rosendale has a rock solid MAGA conservative voting record, um, I, I, it, it seems weird. And, and I, I agree. I, with, and but I do think example. I do think the fact that, that that Rosendale, you know, I think the, the challenge he has created for himself is when he rejected the Trump phone call. Uh, that, that Marjorie Taylor Greene had, hey, hey, President Trump is on the phone right now. Uh, and, and this whole thing about party unity and the importance of party unity heading into the 2024, that was the broader message. And then he, he waited several months to endorse President Trump. When Donald Trump came here, multiple big rallies to try to help Matt Rosendale get across the finish line in 2018. So I get where the point is coming from. But I also agree with, with, with Frank and you to this extent. And I think it's funny. You see the the, the so-called Trump MAGA folks on Twitter that demand this loyalty at every turn, except when they don't. You know, it's like they will go after some Republican over there because he disagrees with Donald Trump on one little thing or, or, or they didn't do this one little thing. But then, like, somebody can drag their feet for six months not endorsing Donald Trump, and they're like, oh, well, eh, you know. Well, look, I mean, it's okay. Like, it's okay to, to have these disagreements. Like, I supported DeSantis in the primary, and then DeSantis dropped out, and I supported Vivek, and then he dropped out. And now I'm supporting Trump, to answer your question earlier. The reason I supported Vivek and DeSantis was because they're further to the right than Trump, and I thought they had a better chance of winning. I'm not going to support somebody to the fir- the left of Trump and Nikki Haley. The other thing that I yeah, want to... Could, well, you said and you said it off air, but but tell us why you're opposed to Nikki Haley on the air as well, because you, you had a, a good response on it. Yeah. So the one so, you know, you listen to Nikki Haley and she talks about she talks about deficit spending in the debt, which I love. And I think she's right to criticize the Republicans for spending too much and for the Trump administration too much debt. I agree with Nikki Haley on those issues. However, she she's asked these questions. Do you believe in man-made global warming or do you think climate change is a problem? And she basically said, yeah, I agree with it. And I agree with the man-made global warming is a big problem we got to address. And my, that was when I was just like, okay, I'm done with you. Like, if you don't understand that man-made global warming is a political movement that Democrats use to try to get their own power and influence and take away our freedoms, then I'm sorry, you're, you don't understand the big picture here. And then the transgender kids' issues. Let me make one point, yeah. though, about that, going back to what Donald Trump Jr. said uh, about how this is, 
this is uh, Montana Republicans doing left-wing cancel culture. No, it's not. And that cheapens cancel culture, and that cheapens our fight for free speech. What cancel culture is, what cancel culture is, is when you ban somebody from social media or Twitter, like Alex, like it happened to Alex Jones and everything else. Alex Brusewitz is free to speak and say whatever he wants. He still has his voice on the internet. Cancel culture is a major problem when Democrats control these social media companies, and they ban us, and they prevent us from talking at all. That's yeah, what cancel culture but, is. I mean, the point I made yesterday, because I get, like, because I, I saw all the emails back and forth, and, and I was thinking about, like, like, you know, weighing in and saying, hey guys, have you ever thought to ask Alex Brusewitz what he's actually going to talk about if he speaks at the GOP winter kickoff before you try to get him kicked out of the event. But I thought, you know what? It's it's not it's not my fight. Uh, it's not my I'm not the Montana GOP. I'm not, a, you know, like I, I'm a I'm a conservative on the radio. And many of us don't even want to describe ourselves as Republicans because then you get into the whole party apparatus inside baseball garbage, infighting garbage. We're conservatives. But but I wanted to weigh in, but then I thought, nope, this is this is their fight. But my question is like like, why cancel the guy from even speaking? Allow him to speak. And hey, uh, Matt Rosendale is also going to be speaking at the winter kickoff. So your your candidate's already going to be there, and and so is this other guy, and so is this other guy. And it's like, well, why are we so afraid to have this debate? Why are they so afraid to even have somebody that might have said something that you don't like to speak at a GOP but winter I think, kickoff? I, I think it's I think you're you're you know. You're downplaying what Alex Brucewitz actually said in the positions. You had a really good caller. I think it was Ron uh, who had called in and said, "Look, this isn't just this isn't just sort of regular criticism that that Alex Brucewitz has, has lodged against Matt Rosendale. He's made false accusations and these outlandish claims. So, like what? Matt Rosendale's a Democrat and, and he's a pawn of he the Democrats. He didn't say he's a Democrat. He said he said that that he's a pawn of the Democrats. The Democrats." are using Matt Rosendale they are propping they are funding ads supporting Matt Rosendale right now Democrats Democrats supported all kinds of candidates in 2022 that were all the Trump MAGA candidates and that's one of the reasons yeah, but, we didn't do but, as well in 2022 but Alex Brusewitz's point is that the Democrats are actively are actively running the Montana Democrats are running Facebook ads to help Matt Rosendale right now. The the, the Democrats are, are are funding ads against Tim Sheehy right now because they are afraid of Tim Sheehy. They're not running pro Rosendale ads. They're running anti- on Facebook. They are. They're an- I thought they were just anti Sheehy ads. No, no, which, no. Which on, they could be doing on for Facebook. The yeah, the New York Times. So so his point is that is that Matt, you are being used by the Democrats because they want you to be the candidate against Tester in November again. That was his point. And I think. That, that's true. I think the Democrats do want that in the same way that the Democrats wanted, uh, you know, Kerry Lake to be the nominee in Arizona in 2022. They wanted uh, they wanted uh, the Pennsylvania governor candidate who is a, who is a big MAGA guy. The Democrats, the Democrats have been doing this for a long time in terms of supporting candidates in GOP primaries that they think have a worse chance of winning. Which goes back to the broader point is that. You know, this whole thing about loyalty, it's not personal loyalty to Trump. It's about it's about party unity to push back a little bit on, on what Frank and the flat had said. It's about unity of effort. And 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 you're right. The Democrats have been great about this. They've been doing this forever. They put they put a, a million dollars plus in, in ads supporting the libertarian candidate in 2012 to try to steal away votes. So the Democrats are great about dividing conservatives and great about dividing the Republicans. Well, conservatives are great about doing that themselves. Well, yeah, that's all they're doing. They, they want you to be the useful idiots yeah. helping the but, Democrats win the biggest senator race in the country in 2024. Well, and so so why would we play into why would why would we play into their efforts to divide conservatives and to divide Republicans? 
Republicans. Why would we allow them to divide us? It's the opposite. They, what they want is unity at the Montana GOP convention. They don't want they don't want some guy coming in and being the keynote speaker who has been out there on a crusade against one of Montana's great Republicans. They wanted a unifying speaker, somebody like somebody like uh, you or me who who hasn't have a history of railing against uh, Rosendale. Oh, they'd figure out a way to cancel you or me too. Well, David Noble but criticized here, Trump, and uh, you, you know, know what I'm here, saying. Here's the, here's the thing about unity, and you mentioned party unity, and, and that great, that's great, and I agree with it. That doesn't mean that we don't have to have a primary. There's nothing wrong with the primary, sure. whether it's the presidential primary and supporting DeSantis and Trump. I don't see anything wrong with that, and I don't see anything wrong with the primary for the U.S. Senate race. And so it's like, look, we have primaries, we have fights, and then when the primary is over, we, we unify. We don't have to unify a year in advance well, of the primary. And that's why I, I wish... Uh, I wish more of these folks, okay, if you want to have a primary, we'll have a freaking primary. We'll announce you're actually running for the freaking primary. But but two, why don't you talk more about John Tester and the failures of John Tester and Joe Biden instead? The same thing with Nikki Haley. Stop talking about Trump. Start talking about Biden. Start talking about Tester. Fox News commentary. Denver will limit the amount of time illegal immigrants are able to occupy their shelters. I'm Tommy Laren. More next. I'm Emily Campagno, host of the Fox True Crime Podcast. In October of 1994, 23-year-old Susan Smith alleged a black male carjacker kidnapped her two young sons. After a nine-day search, Smith revealed it was all a hoax and she had killed her children. This week, State Representative Tommy Pope joins me to reflect on his prosecution of this infamous case in the year Susan Smith becomes eligible for parole. Available now on Apple, Spotify, and foxnewspodcasts.com. As our representatives squabble over how many illegals they're willing to catch and release into our nation per day, sanctuary cities are already at max capacity. Take Denver, for example. Starting February 5th, the city will begin to limit the number of days illegals are able to occupy shelters. So what happens when they overstay their welcome? Well, they'll simply be turned out on the streets of Denver in the middle of winter. Denver welcomed 40,000 illegals in the last year, which is nearly 5% of their total population. And that sounds like a lot because it is. But to put it in perspective, if rhino sellouts like Oklahoma Senator Langford get their way, 5,000 illegals would be an acceptable number to welcome into the USA per day. So let's use Denver's crisis as an example. They're at a breaking point with 40,000 in a year, but under Langford's rumored border deal, we'd reach that number in eight days and call that an accomplishment. I'm Tommy Laren, and you can watch my show. Tommy Laren is fearless at outkick.com. This is the Montana Economic Minute. Demographics doesn't get its due. The slow changes in the age structure of the population as we move forward in time are like the story of the little engine that could, a force that moves slowly but consistently forward. And when it comes to understanding current labor force shortages, demographic changes that are in plain sight are often overlooked. Consider the adult population, defined loosely as those age 16 and over. The fraction of those in their prime working ages, defined as those aged 16 to 54, has steadily fallen over the last 25 years, from 73% of the adult population all the way down to 63% today. At the same time, there's been a steady rise in the fraction of those aged 55 to 64 who are closer to retirement. That's hugely important because research shows that work effort tends to decline towards the end of one's career. A reduction in overall labor supply was essentially baked into our future, a future that's now arrived. I'm Patrick Buckley. Brought to you by the University of Montana Bureau of Business. Anderson of Montana. Brought to you from the Montana Hot Spring Spas and Saunas Live Well, Feel Better Studio. Taking your calls live. 
406-294-0970. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right, let's go back into the phone lines here. Dean and Billings. I got a, a really long message on our Montana Talks app. I'm hoping that's from the same Dean and Billings because, uh, yeah, Dean, uh, great to hear from you. Thanks for the message, if that was you as well. Uh, yes, I, I hope you took it in the vein that I meant to that. No, it's great. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, so, so uh, yes, it's the same, Dean. I, uh, you, you know, I, I knew that was going to come up in your discussion with David just now. I heard you say that uh, Matt Rosendale refused to take the call from Trump. If you remember, it is, it, it is against the House rules to have a cell phone and for Marjorie Taylor Greene to be chasing rosendale around number one that was against the rules well they, the they didn't have any rules because the house wasn't even in order yet so actually the rules were suspended but but i get your point yeah uh, okay well well and, and the point was uh rosendale knew what trump was trying to do he was trying to get him to uh to endorse mccarthy now you know and my point of the call is that trump I, i'm gonna vote for him i think he's the best president we've ever had but he is certainly not infallible, and the people around him are not. So, so, so he, so they, they got McCarthy in. Uh, McCarthy tr- promptly went over to the White House and gave away everything two two trillion dollars in debt right now, and and adding to our inflation. Well, that's that's number one. Number two, Trump also endorsed Mitch McConnell, and look where he has gotten us. Number three, Trump also pushed for Ronna McDaniel in the GOP. So this whole idea about about them trying to be infallible, it's, it's like Trump wants to have, he's like 98% of the people I endorsed won. But the problem is about 30 or 40% of them are basically traitors inside the wire and are not working for the people. Well, and, and, and what I think, yeah, yeah, th- and thanks for the call. And I, I apologize. I know we're getting short on time, and I want to give David the microphone once again here too. But yeah, what what I'm appreciative of here, David, is is – I think Senator Daines is pushing the Senate Republicans. It's it's a hard process, but I think he's pushing them to the right. Uh, and I think I think McConnell's on his way out. That's what I hope anyway. Uh, so, but hey, Dean, thanks thanks for the phone call. Uh, great to hear from you, David. What do you want to talk uh, well, about? Well, another another great phone call right there, and I, and I fully agree. You know, with that caller, just like I did with with Frank, and this whole you know, there's so much purity testing on the right. Um, and and so much division and and you know it's like it's it's okay it's okay to to point out that Donald Trump is the reason Ronald McDaniel's there and you see all these like especially on, on and Twitter he had his that, reasons for doing so yeah, and again I, unity of effort heading into a major election and I've I've said it before when it comes to Mitch McConnell if you're going to take a shot at the king don't miss and we we just need to get Mitch McConnell out of there and I think getting new. Uh, Republicans elected, and I think the work that Steve Daines is doing right that is is going to lead to Senate Republican majority again with a new uh, Senate majority leader. I fully believe that that's what Senator Daines is working on right now. I, I certainly hope so. Yeah. I, I think most Montanans are basically just like, look, you know, all of the all of these personal disputes amongst the, these GOP politicians and all of this talk about loyalty and unity and fighting and stuff. Most Montanans, I think, are like are like me and Frank and that caller there, where it's like, look, it, it's okay if you're not a hundred percent on board with one or the other it's okay to criticize somebody and then later vote for them like this is all okay like this but, is the process but i think they're also saying i think a lot of them out there are also saying get your shift together right because uh, we are in the fight for the future of our country right now and, right. and can we really can we really wait un, until june to truly get the fight uh, and, going and i had a comment on that too and I, I mentioned to you this during the break just to push back a little bit about that 
I personally don't necessarily see a problem with the general election campaign not kicking off until after the primary because that's our that's our schedule here in Montana. We have the primary in June, and then after that, the general kicks off. And so can, can you really wait, quote, unquote? Look, most people, I don't think, pay attention to, to the politics of the campaign until September, October, November. Like, people don't start tuning in really until later on. And then in terms of the money piece... I also don't think that money is the determining factor in the outcome of elections. And you look yeah, at not always. Not Don, always. You know, Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton, even though he was he was really far outspent. But he also had that celebrity uh, right. thing going for him, yeah. and got and knew, and was very creative at getting a lot of attention right. too. Um, but, it is we, inter- yeah. but, but it is interesting that Rosendale blamed lack of money in in twenty or twenty eighteen for not be defeating Tester then, but he only raised ninety eight thousand dollars last quarter. How are you going to raise a hundred million to go against Tester? That's, I mean, uh, that's a big deficit. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. David, man, I wish you could join us for the full, uh, full show, but I know you're busy and you got a big day job. We appreciate you as always. Thank you.